All right. In, uh, in, in as far as announcements go, uh, we have no real uh, uh, activities planned. Uh, I understand that our governor's really thinking uh, about extending this stuff. And uh, boy, I, I kind of wish. Uh, can, is it possible to trade governors? Because uh, I hear that the governor of Texas is uh, doing things a little different. And I thought maybe we could trade governors a little bit and have that guy come up and help um, uh, Washington State. Or, and, then, and then they could uh, retrain our governor in, in Texas. But, oh, my goodness, I'm so sick of politics, I could vomit. But um, you know what? I think the Lord's got everything under control. And uh, unfortunately, we're still on lockdown but uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, remembering each other and making phone calls. And uh, listen, we're, we're still baking cookies and we might have to have another round of delivery. Uh, we don't know. But uh, if, you're, if you're a living, uh, text us. We'll text you. And uh, the, they do it in text us. <laughs> Texas, te- Texas. Uh, they, text, uh, they text a lot in Texas. Okay. Anyway. Uh, bad joke, uh, bad joke number one today. Uh, it's been a long time since I had a bad joke, but uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, man, I love my family. All right. They keep me honest, right? They keep me humble, too. All right. Oh, you know what we were doing the other day? Going through all my yearbooks in high school. I thought I threw them away. And oh, my goodness, talk about humbling. All the comments that uh, everybody made, and the and uh, I just remember uh, how I got saved during high school, and my oh, I just I cringe at the way I looked. Uh, my hair was long, and I I didn't have I didn't have the right kind of friends, and but when I got saved, hallelujah, I got the right crowd to to hang around. Amen. And that's uh, let's see, that's like 40, uh, 45, 46 years ago, something like that. But I'm glad those days are gone. But that was humbling, too. So bad jokes and high school yearbooks, don't just take those out of your life. You don't need that. All right. Well, let's sing. No, let's uh, grab the Bible, Isaiah chapter 40. I'd like to sing again, but um, that would be humbling, too. All right. We're going to pray, and uh, we're going to get right into the message. Um, And so let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Let's pray together. And uh, I know the Lord will bless you as he blesses us. Lord, thank you now for your love and guidance and your watch care over us. We know, Lord, that you said that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Lord, we thank you that our fear is is the fear that is founded in love. And we love you, Lord, and we pray for our country that your hand of blessings would, would be upon all of God's children and all of our, our wonderful country. I pray this thing would go away and we'd get back to life. Uh, but Lord, we know that your hand is so wise and, and so powerful. And Lord, we know that this isn't just one little community. This is the whole world that's uh, involved with this. But I pray that you won't let Christians have... Uh, over, be overwhelmed and overcome with fear. We pray that we'd live by faith and live by the word of God. 
and live by the love of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, we are, as, as I said last week, you know, we, we, we don't know anybody that's sick. Uh, we don't know anybody in our church that has a virus. We don't know of anybody in our family or extended people. And, uh, and I thank God for that. So as far as Whatcom County goes, Washington State, if I was governor, um, I, uh, I'm not going to run, but I, uh, I, I would hope that God would uh, touch the hearts of all of our leaders. Uh, we have a lot of people in the world that don't know the Lord. A lot of people in, a, in Washington State that have no idea about God. They don't read the Bible, don't know Jesus. They've already made up their minds. And I just pray that this would uh, just get them back to the idea that maybe there is a God. Maybe there is a Lord Jesus. And maybe I should pray to him. There's so many people out of work. And when you lose your livelihood, it's really something that, that causes people to search. I go, where have I made a mistake? What am I going to do? And the biggest mistake is to reject the Lord Jesus. That's, that's mistake number one, biggest one anybody could make. So if we, uh, if we see more people re receive Christ through this, this would be worth it. And I hope you'll pray. All right, good to see everybody. Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 40, <clears throat> verse number 1 through 5. We're going to speak on the message today, the subject of a voice crying in the wilderness. Father, bless now, I pray this, and we pray that you'll help this scripture to lodge in our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, chapter number 40. In Isaiah's day, he uh, prophesied, that the Lord would have a, a messenger come and prepare the way before him, who now we know is John the Baptist. So, this is actually a prophecy of John the Baptist about the Lord Jesus. Let's look at it. It says, verse number one, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. <clears throat> that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is a message of hope and, and a message of light. The, he was preaching that the, uh, the, 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 the judgment is done now, the iniquity is pardoned, and that's the, uh, a prophecy about the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, quote, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken uh, it. And so we know this is a prophecy of the coming of the Lord, the Messiah. And uh, there's so much to it. So somewhere close to about, I would say, 30 years after Jesus was born, John the Baptist was fulfilling this prophecy. So let's go uh, back in Isaiah for just a minute to Isaiah chapter number 9. Let's uh, go quickly there so we can get... Get up to the New Testament real quick. Uh, so 
John the Baptist was the, I think he was first or second cousin to the Lord. And uh, John the Baptist didn't know Jesus personally until later. So what he was doing was he, was, he was preaching in the wilderness and he was crying in the wilderness and he was saying that the Messiah had come. God just gave him the message and sent him out. Uh, John the Baptist was the precursor. He was the forerunner of the Lord. He was the prophet and he was a great man and he gathered a few disciples and he gave them over to Jesus. But when John the Baptist came, uh, he was already preaching in the wilderness before Jesus was baptized. So let's go back to Isaiah and here's the message that John the Baptist was preaching. Verse number 6 and seven, we always use this at Christmas, but it's for today too. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So John the Baptist, he was definitely uh, someone who was familiar with the book of Isaiah. John the Baptist's dad was actually a priest. And of course, Elizabeth was a great woman. So John the Baptist was of what we would call a Christian home. And so now he is pro prophesying, he's saying the Lord's coming. But here's the thing that God did for John the Baptist. He gave him a ministry that was interesting and special and rather unpopular, to tell you the truth. Um, John the Baptist, he didn't go to the main city of Jerusalem right away. He didn't go to Athens, Greece. He didn't go to Alexandria, Egypt. He, he started out in the woods, in the wilderness, uh, out in the, in the wilderness. Uh, and there was this cry coming. The, uh, it's kind of interesting how God made this start out, that the, the message of the Messiah would come. It would be this, this voice crying in the wilderness. But Isaiah said that's how it would happen in chapter 40. Jesus highly esteemed <clears throat> the ministry of John the Baptist. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11 and see just what Jesus said about this wonderful man, John the Baptist, because it was very important. His cry was in the wilderness and it started out that way. And I love what God did because it's, uh, it's special. It's, it's I, I guess you could say eccentric in some way, very isolated, but it starts out, out in the wilderness and comes into the main city. And then by the time John the Baptist is preaching. He, he actually loses his head. Uh, he was executed for his message. And uh, Jesus highly esteemed his ministry. Highly esteemed his message. Jesus spoke so highly of John the Baptist. Let's look at it. It says in verse number 7 of chapter 11. As they departed Jesus began to say unto the multitudes. Now he's in the, in the multitudes talking to many, many people. 
concerning John, John the Baptist. He quotes, he says, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Now, you remember what kind of clothing John the Baptist had? Leather, girdle, you know, uh, loins, probably. Uh, uh, the Bible says he was eating locusts and wild honey. That's no diet. That's not health food, by the way. Locusts. Yuck. Uh, and they weren't chocolate-covered grasshoppers either. They were terrible. I mean, he was eating honey and, and locusts. And his clothing. He was a mountain man. He was a wilderness man. Jesus said, verse 9, But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. John the Baptist was more than a prophet. John the Baptist was one of the greatest, if not the very greatest among men. The Bible says, no man born among women on earth is greater than John the Baptist. Why? His message was what made him great. He was a great man of God. He started out in the wilderness. Look at this. Is, this is for you and me, Christian. You know what we are now? We're, we're voices out in the wilderness now. It's, uh, it's not a popular thing right now to be a Christian. Verse 10 says, For this is he of whom it is written, quote, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Uh, so we have this wonderful ministry of John the Baptist. Now watch. It says, verse 12, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets of the law prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. So Elijah was the prophet that was going to come. And if, if he says, if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he hath a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. And boy, the message of John the Baptist is still being preached today. I never thought that, that so many preachers would be a voice crying in the wilderness. And do you know, uh, the Bible says there's many voices in the world. Everybody's got a voice. There's voice on television. There's uh, people uh, down in the, in the, in the communities of all, all the medical communities and there's uh, scientists, they got the scientific community and they're all on the TV and all the uh, podcasts or whatever they do and all the different uh, outlets. Everybody's got an opinion and there's a voice here and a voice here and a voice there and there's the voice of the Republicans and the voice of the Democrats and there's all voices of your neighbor and there's voices everywhere 
And John the Baptist is the voice crying in the wilderness. And that's what we are as Christians. We're just that small voice. And we, what was John's uh, original uh, message? What was his, his cry? I want you to go to, with me to uh, Matthew chapter 3. Let's go back there. Let's find out just what John the Baptist's voice was in the wilderness, which is no different than today. It's just as this is powerful. It, it says in chapter number three of Matthew, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, number one, repent. You know, the Bible says this one thing is what people need to hear first and foremost. Jesus says, if you repent not, if you don't repent, you shall all likewise perish. If people don't repent of their sins and trust Christ as their Savior. So repentance is a part of salvation. It, it, it has to be something that, that happens to the heart. Repentance. It's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a change of direction. It's a change of lifestyle. It's a big, huge change in a person's heart. In the military, we learned this. Uh, it, it was, it's the same as the command, as, as the marching command. Every soldier and sailor knows this. Everybody that's in the military that ever got taught how to march, they know what it means to about face. They're marching in step, and on the left, uh, the foot, they say, uh, about face. And as soon as you hear that, the next step goes down, the man pivots, and he turns around and goes exactly 180 degrees the other way. And Jesus said, unless ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. There has to be a time of repentance in, in people's lives or they're not saved. Now, I'm not the judge of, of how people uh, you know, repent. I just know this. When, when Jesus saved me, I repented. I was going in one direction and I took a, a tremendous about face and went exactly the opposite direction. I repented. And I went the other way. And, that, and then I learned how to do it in the Navy. Uh, <clears throat> man, I'm tired of marching to this day. He says, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the voice crying in the wilderness. You know, I do believe that if America re would repent, I believe that God would bless our country. And I'm not so sure that we would ever see another virus. I, I can't say that for sure. I don't know. I know this, though, that uh, the Bible says, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. I wonder what's happening to our country right now. It's going the wrong direction, amen? It's, go, it's heading in the wrong direction, that's for sure. But Christians have repented. They've trusted Christ as their Savior. And we're not going the same way of the world. So John the Baptist, his first cry was repent. And that's exactly what Jesus preached when he first came. Repent. That's the change. And he said, why? Verse 3, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and the leather girdle about his loins and his meat was locust and wild honey. That doesn't sound like some delicate church 
uh, guy in a long robe with a little collar on. It doesn't sound like somebody that had perfectly clean fingernails and was in a high high steeple all the day. Listen, man, this man this man was a was a fighter. This man this man had guts. He had he had courage. And he said to the Jews of that day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know what he called them? A bunch of vipers. This is hard stuff. Oh, my goodness, what a voice crying in the wilderness. Look at this. Chapter number three, verse number five. This is the voice that we Christians should have as we cry out. It says, then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. There's a lot of people excited about what this was brand new. This was um, for people that had any inkling of the Bible, any inkling of scripture in those days. This was exciting to them. Hey, the Messiah has come. This is it. This is the answer. This is, the, this is what Isaiah was talking about. And boy, people left Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, all the people round about Jordan. And it says they all came out. And you know what happened? They got saved. Many, many people got saved. Look at verse 6. They got saved because John the Baptist would never baptize anybody just to get them wet. The Bible says in verse 6, uh, they came out round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan. But notice this. It says they were confessing their sins. That's not a Catholic confession. That's where they said, yes, we're sinners. The Messiah has come. We believe it. We're going to accept this message. And John the Baptist, Baptist, he got busy in the River Jordan. He was baptizing them. As they were being baptized and lots of people were being saved. Oh, uh-oh, we got a big problem here. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they also came out. They didn't get saved, though. Look at verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, they didn't come to get baptized. They came to watch him and to judge him and to criticize him. And boy, they got into it. Boy, I love this. This is, I mean, this is real stuff here. This is where the oil hit the squeak. And John the Baptist, look what his message to them was. He said, oh, generation of vipers. You know what he called them? He said, your mom's a snake and your dad's a snake and you're a snake. You're nothing but a generation of vipers. You know what a viper is? A viper is a venomous, like a rattlesnake. There's a pit viper. There's all, a viper is, that's a, it's, a, it's a terrible, deadly snake. And there was vipers in those days. He didn't call them a night. Why did John the Baptist go right into their face and call them a generation of vipers? Because his message was true. And they had forsaken the Lord. They lost God. They didn't even know God. They're a bunch of whitewashed sepulchers. And I'll tell you what. You know what? Can I say this real quick? I'm disgusted with a lot of the religion in this world. I'm disgusted with some of the churches. Um, my goodness. I'll tell you what, Bible colleges are good, but some of them are bad. Just because they call themselves a Bible college doesn't mean that they're strong and biblical. Listen, this, this, this country is, is sickening 
when it comes to the religious moss growing on people's back. What we need, how many say we need a bunch of John the Baptist to go around preaching? I'll tell you, they, they're, they're some people. You know what? My, my old preacher, a long time ago, he graduated from a, a Bible college in Florida. And, and the reason he left that Bible college and got out from it, they started having dances and they were serving beer in the cafeteria at the Bible college. And he got out of that, boy. I'll tell you what, the doctrine and different Bibles. John the Baptist knew the scriptures. He had the right Bible. And you need to have the right Bible. And you need the right message. And you and I need to stay faithful to this. Now watch what he said. Oh, generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. So if you repent, you should have something in your life to prove it, right? Is that right? I mean, I'm not the judge. I don't know, but I know one thing. Uh, when, when I got saved, my life changed. There wasn't, there wasn't any more of the same old routine sin. It was a shakeup. I turned around, went the other way. I'm not to judge. God is. But if you say you repented and you got saved, your life better show it. Is that right? I mean, you be the judge. You let God judge you too. I'm not your judge, but there's going to there's gonna be a change in somebody's life. My goodness gracious. And that's what John the Baptist was telling. The voice crying in the wilderness. Hey, he said, you better repent, better change, and bring forth some fruit. He says, prove it. You know what the word meat for repentance means? That means uh, appropriate for the response of repentance. In other words, if I say that uh, I know how to play baseball, you can say you know how to play baseball. It's baseball season. I hope they start the season up. But if you don't know how to hit a, hit a ball, and if you don't have a glove, and you can't catch a ball, and you don't know that there's three or four bases, there's three bases in home plate, and if you don't know what a foul line is, and you don't know what center field, right field, and left field is, and you have no idea what a pitch is or a curveball, there's a lot of variables. If you say that you play baseball, you've got to prove some of it, right? Is that right? And if you say you're, you, you, you've repented, there, there ought to be something in your life that's changed. And he said, bring forth some fruit. Bring forth, therefore, fruits. Meet for repentance. You know what else he did? Look at verse 9. His voice was loud and clear. He said, I don't, I'm going to paraphrase this, then we're going to read the scripture. He said basically this. It doesn't matter if Abraham's your father. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you grew up a Pharisee. It doesn't matter if you've got a pedigree. It doesn't matter. By the way, it doesn't matter if you've uh, been in church all your life. It doesn't matter if, you're, if you're, uh, all of your relatives have always been in church. It doesn't matter one bit. Nothing matters like that. I don't care if somebody said, well, yeah, uh, of course I know God. I'm a Catholic. No, that doesn't matter. Oh, of course I know God. Of course I know God. I'm a Jewish man. Oh, we've been to the synagogue for years. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean anything to God. What means everything to God is Jesus Christ is your Savior. Now watch what he says. Now we're going to read the scripture. 
John the Baptist told all these Pharisees and Jews, he said, Think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So did it matter one hill of beans to God who's, who's related to Abraham? He could turn rocks into children of Abraham if he wanted to. John the Baptist, oh, he didn't, it didn't go well for him. He was making a lot of people mad. I think sometimes we need to get stirred up, don't you? You know what I'm finding? I'll, just, uh, I'll get back to the message in just a minute. I've got to run this rabbit down. I don't run them down. I kill them. All right. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this rabbit. Listen, there are Christians that have heard the truth about this virus and they're being persecuted by other people just because they're telling the truth about it. And if you're a Christian and you criticize another Christian just for telling the truth about this virus thing and you criticize them, shame on you. You, should, you shouldn't be criticizing people that tell you the truth just because you don't think that the whole world... I, I've heard people say, well, if you don't believe all this stuff, then you're, you're guilty of causing people to die. Listen, I don't, I don't wear a mask because I just don't want to. I'm not killing anybody. I don't have it. And if I did, it wouldn't matter because I wouldn't know it. And if I did know it, I surely wouldn't be out messing around. I'd be in the hospital. These people that wear masks, I think it's a good idea. It keeps us both safe. You can't get it from me and I can't get it from you, so wear two or three masks. I'd, I'd say double up, man. Make them real thick so you can barely breathe. I'm just saying, I, I, I'm not joking about this. I'm saying, I'm not criticizing anybody for what they do. But if the truth comes out that this is more hype than it is serious, then don't criticize your Christian brother for telling you the truth. Our country needs the truth about this virus. Is that right? I mean, we need to know what the truth is. Where did it come from? How did it start? What, what it's done to our country? I do, we just need the truth. Some old John the Baptist is going to tell you the truth. Don't get mad at him. Don't cut his head off. Amen? Now, he says, don't think within to say yourselves in, that, that uh, Abraham is our father. He said, that doesn't matter. Look at verse 10. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. The whole system of religion is all nonsense without Jesus. Every single religious individual in the world if they don't have the, the repentance if they don't have Christ Jesus as their savior all it is is a great big game it's a tree with all kinds of leaves but no fruit and look what he says he said the axe is laid to the root of the trees therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down cast in the fire now verse 11 says John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. 
whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat in, into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. There's the voice of John the Baptist crying in the wilderness was a strong voice. It was a clear voice. It was a clear trumpet. It was a beautiful voice. It was the voice of truth. It was the voice that the whole nation of Israel needed. What America needs now is preachers and Christians that cry out. The Bible says we still have this voice in the wilderness. There's a, the wilderness of sin, the wilderness of darkness, the wilderness of the world, the wilderness of American society, the wilderness of religion. There's so many uh, things that we need to cut through. And your voice is the one thing that will do that. We Christians have a voice. The Bible says we have a voice. And you know what? America says we have a voice too. Our voice is being suppressed. It's, it's, not, it's not well received. Uh, we do have a voice in our vote. You can vote. You can still vote. When I was uh, hunting with my, uh, my son and uh, a couple of people from our church, it was real early in the morning and uh, then late at night. And, and I, I'll never forget the sound of an elk. It was bugling and it was just about, just about dark, not quite dark. And all of a sudden, these elk started bugling. It was beautiful. Oh, very clear sound. Went all through the valley. I'm not going to do it because I, I, I don't know how to do it. But you could tell a guy that had an elk call from the real thing. Some of those guys were pretty amateuristic buglers. And then the real, the real bull elk would, would bugle and it would fill up the whole valley. Man, it was just beautiful. Along with the coyotes, you could tell it was a coyote. You could tell. And you could tell in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the sky there'd be an eagle and it would shriek. Have you ever heard an eagle shriek? Have you ever heard a, a, an elk bugle? Oh, it's the most beautiful sound. It's tremendous. And I don't like coyotes, but boy, you know if they're out there. They, they have, you know, <laughs> some of us, Around here, we even have a donkey in the morning. He brays. I, I think you call it a bray. I don't know. The donkey's out in the valley. It's just, it just crazy. I said, that's a donkey. I know that's a donkey. And then I know that's an eagle. I heard, I know an eagle sent. I know that's a coyote. And I can tell that is a bugling bull elk. It's just fantastic. And you know, these are little sounds that God puts in our life sometimes. And you know, our cry, our cry is supposed to be real clear. Our cry is crying out salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a clear message. That's, that's the cry of John the Baptist. A cry of warning. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I, I had a guy tell me, we don't need any more preaching. What we need is teaching. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got enough teachers to fill up 
of the ocean. We don't have enough preachers. We don't have enough preachers to preach and cry about Jesus. Right in the face of adversity. Warning. Preparation. Are you ready for Jesus to come back today? Do you think America's more concerned about salvation today or this virus? Do you think, do you think that our whole entire country's getting on their knees? No, I don't think so. I think they're so concerned that the scientists and the doctors and the president and, and the governors would all uh, undo this terrible scourge on our country. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not the answer. You know what the answer is? Uh, the answer is my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will hear their prayer and forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That's the answer. That's the answer. It's not going to come from science. It's not going to come from your governor, especially a governor that I know of. You know what it's going to come from? Good, solid, godly people that love Jesus. That's the message. We cry warning, preparation. But I like this cry. The cry of the love of God for mankind. God's still crying out to people. What do you think Jesus would say if he was here today? He would encourage people to trust him as their Savior. This last verse in chapter number 1 of 1 Timothy, I want to ask you to go there. This voice crying in the wilderness is the same voice 2,000 years ago with John the Baptist. The voice crying in the wilderness today is the same one when we had revival in America. It's the same uh, voice that uh, D.L. Moody was preaching about, Charles Spurgeon, Billy Sunday. He came to Bellingham in 1910. It's the same message of W.A. Criswell in uh, Dallas, Texas, and all the preachers, uh, Dr. Lee Robertson, and all the famous preachers in America. It's the same message today. It's still the wilderness, and it's still the cry. It's still a voice. And this is it. Look at it. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul cries out, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You know, the Apostle Paul knew full well what, what a sinful life was all about. He knew. He was one of those same Pharisees you know what I think? I can't prove it, but I'm wondering if John the Baptist would have preached to maybe somebody that was close to the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul would have been a young man about the time that Jesus was baptized. The Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, was a highly educated, pharisaical person in Jerusalem. And you know what I bet? I bet you he even saw Jesus. I bet you he even heard him. I bet you he heard the, the hatred coming from the, the people that went out to John the Baptist's baptism. And John the Baptist did baptize Jesus. 
What an honor that must have been. Today, before we pray, I want to ask you this. <clears throat> have you heard that cry? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? And if you're a Christian today, don't let your voice be muffled. Don't let people muffle your voice out. Cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet, like a bugling elk, like an eagle. And some of us, like a donkey. <laughs> uh, I've been called that before. But cry out. Your voice is clear. And I hope today that you would not shun to cry out for the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer.